Amen. Well, good morning, friends. My name is Brian, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. I'm super excited to be with you uh, today. And one of the things I love is being able to teach God's Word for a particular reason, so we can actually become stronger in our faith in God, so we can have a closer, real, authentic relationship with God. Uh, Today, we will be starting our new series, Summer in the Psalms. Are you guys excited about that? Awesome. As we begin, if you don't know what the Psalms are, Psalms are songs. Psalms are songs. Psalms are poems. They're they're poems written by uh, mainly David, but there are also other authors that write these Psalms. And there's five different books contained in the Psalms with themes such as praising God. There are royal Psalms speaking to God's kingship. There's messianic Psalms pointing to Christ. And of course, there is what we have today in Psalm chapter 1, what we would call wisdom Psalms, very similar to Proverbs. And so a wisdom Psalm points a follower of God to follow after God and his word. Today we'll be in the first psalm, Psalm chapter 1. If you have a blue Bible, it's a church chair Bible with you, we are going to be on page 254. 254. And I want to ask you a question, a very important question. Have you ever felt extremely thirsty? Have you ever felt extremely thirsty? For me, it occurs uh, during the summer when it's super hot outside, and typically when I'm at a location that involves a lot of walking, right? Such as the San Diego uh, Safari Park, uh, going to somewhere that it's hot outside, maybe 100 degrees, and I'm just like parched. Uh, There have been times where I've gone to the San Diego Safari Park, it's like a zoo, and basically I've walked several thousand steps, uh, seeing various exhibits, various animals, different types of Uh, experiences while I'm at the park, and after journeying for so long, I am long waiting for uh, just one drop of water, at least a drop of water, right? I am so parched, I'm like, I need to find water. So my question is, have you ever felt this, where your main mission is to find a nice cup of ice water just to ward off your thirst? The same is true today in Psalm chapter 1. Uh, believers are displayed as trees in Psalm chapter 1. But if we're trees and we're not connected to water, we will begin to thirst for water. And if we're not receiving water, then we will continue to thirst. And sometimes we will thirst for something else to satisfy and save our thirst temporarily. But as we are not connected to water, We will stop bearing fruit. We will become dry. And we will no longer be a big, beautiful tree, as you'll see in that that tree behind us. We'll no longer be a, a, a beautiful tree, but instead we'll become a dead, dry pile of firewood, ready to be burned. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I ask right now that you make your clear of your word uh, super clear to us, God that you make it easy uh, for us to understand, and that we leave here today different, that we leave changed, that we will grow stronger as believers in you, God, that we will love you so deeply that it's 
entirely evident in our lives. It's in your mighty and marvelous name, Father God. Amen. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. So what's happening in Psalm chapter 1? Psalm chapter 1 introduces us to the entire book of Psalms, that listening to God, following his commands, and instructions lead to life. And the opposite is true. If you're not following God's plan for your life, and you're disobeying his commands, if you're disobeying those instructions, it will lead to destruction. I'll say that again. If you're disobeying God's instructions, it will lead to your destruction. And one of the scripture themes that I see uh, going throughout all the Psalms is Psalm 119.11. And it says this, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. One reason why that's a, a big theme is because we as believers, are to store up God's Word. We are to have it be contained throughout all of us, throughout, throughout our lives, throughout our daily walks. And that is the importance of Psalms, is being able to, to be connected to God. And one of the ways we can do that is through reading Psalms. So to the, today's text, it says this, in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, "'Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked.'" nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season, and his leaves do not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And here's the contrast. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in this congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we're going to go back to Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2, and I'm going to break it down. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So my first point for today is this. Follow after God and his word. Follow after God and his word. I'm going to explain that. There's a great difference between how a worldly person lives compared to how a Christian should live and is called to live. We aren't to act like the rest of the world. Although we as believers are in the world, we are not of the world. Before we are Christian, we love things of the world, such as what John calls the pride of life in 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes And the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. We are called not to fellowship with darkness or evil. Proverbs explains it like this. Proverbs 4, 14 through 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. 
avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. And if you were here when I spoke about four or five weeks ago on 1 John, we talked about what it means to walk in the light compared to walking in the darkness. The world loves to walk in darkness, but we are called to walk in the light, and that is to walk in step with Christ. And notice in this psalm, in verse 1, that there's a progression. Notice the progression of fellowship that happens in Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. There's walking, then there's this progression of standing in the way of sinners, and then there's another step, which is sitting with scoffers. It starts off with walking with someone, walking. But then... What happens? Then you're standing with them. You're hanging out. You're homies, right? You're like, yeah, this is my best friend right here with, with, a, with a scoffer or a sinner. And then it says, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So by that time, when you're sitting with, with scoffers, scoffers is another way to say sinners or people that are wicked or people that are evil. If you're doing that, that progression of sitting That means you are spending time with them. They are like your best friend. You are two peas in a pod, right? You're like best friends. But he's saying no. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And if you don't know what the word blessed means, how many of you know what the word blessed means? Okay. Anyone want to volunteer? Happy, yes. Happy, perfect. Happy. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You will be happy if you aren't uh, allowing yourself to be fully connected 24-7 with someone who is evil or the wicked. Because why? Influence. Influence. And And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, notice that progression. They're finally sitting with them. Each action of progression is a deeper step of fellowship with darkness, intimacy. And the greater ability, the more you progress and spend time with someone in darkness, the more that you begin to walk with them, then you start to sit with them. That is when they begin to influence you. One of the quotes I've heard is, who you spend the most amount of time with is who you'll eventually become. Have you guys ever heard that before? It's usually the top five people that you hang out with is who you become more and more similar to. That's uh, based on psychology, but it's also biblical. It, we're, we're seeing it in this passage. If you're spending time with evil, it will begin to influence you. So, this is why fellowship with God and not with darkness is so important. That does not mean, and I want to make this clear, that does not mean you shouldn't ever interact with people who are wicked or uh, who don't believe in God. Because we are still called to love on people. We are still called to share the gospel with people. But that doesn't mean we need to allow them into our lives to influence us for evil. And then I, 
I want to remind us that we can't become close to those that are against God and hate Him. We have to be, our, our strongest way that we can grow in our faith is by being around other believers and, of course, spending our time with God, which we'll focus on in a little bit. But I want to ask this question. Who is this blessed person that people are talking about, that, that the passage is talking about? Who is the blessed person? And then my other question is, what are we to look like if we aren't being influenced by evil? That's my other question. So who's the blessed person in this passage? You guys can shout it out. <laughs> it, believers, yeah, that's right. Us, the church. You guys are the blessed person. You are the blessed person. You are happy. Because this is a, this is a moment of happiness. I, I don't know if you guys know. I, I want to take like a, a picture right now, actually. Let me take a picture. I'll take a selfie, actually. Awesome. That is a moment of happiness. Happy. I'm, I'm so happy to be with you guys. You guys are believers. You guys are strong and strengthening my faith. You know, in the world, it's so much harder and more difficult. But being around other believers helps to bring more happiness. It helps to strengthen our faith. And, and we are blessed. But we're not only blessed by other believers. Most importantly, we are blessed or happy when we meditate on God and His Word. We are to delight in God's law and spend time on it on a daily basis. Instead of letting the world influence us, which is very easy to do, especially with what? Media, ads, uh, music, movies, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all of the social media platforms. So many other areas in our life is being infiltrated by other things besides God, right? And it, that's why it's so important that we spend time with God. Because if you're letting all these other things influence you, how is God influencing you? How are you allowing God to influence your heart and your mind and to change your mind, to become more and more like Him? So it's, it's very important to, to know God's Word, to love God's Word, and to grow in love for God's Word. Charles Spurgeon, if you guys don't know, uh, he's a great person in church history. I love him uh, as a pastor, as a theologian. He says this about the Bible. If we do not love the Bible, and we're not talking about the, the, the cover of this book, we're talking about what's contained in the passage, in the scriptures. If we do not love God's word, we certainly do not love the God who gave it to us. But if we do love God, then no other book in the entire world will be comparable in our minds. When God speaks, it is the delight of our ears to hear what he says. And I, I'm just going to say, a lot of times, we don't value this, this Bible as much as we should, right? There might be days, for some of you, where this is getting pretty dusty. You guys haven't read this in a while. And, I, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad or anything, but I'm trying to remind us how important God's Word is it transforms you on a daily basis, and it can change your trajectory of your life. 
And, and Charles Spurgeon says this, he continues on in this, in other books there is some truth and there is some error. But he says, apart from the Bible, the best book ever written has mistakes in it. It is not possible for fallible men to write infallible books. Somehow or other, we either say more than is true or less than is true. The most skillful writer does not always keep along that hairline of truth that is more difficult to tread than a razor's edge. But Scripture never errs. So the only fully true thing that we can have to maintain our direction in life is God's Word. I, I love, I know this a little, it might be cliche, but I love this saying that B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, yes, the B-I-B-L-E, Bible. I also believe in this too. B-I-B-L-E stands for Basic Instructions Before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Why? This is a mission, a book of mission. You're going to say, what? This book has a mission in it, and it shows us the story of our lives, of, of what God has done, of God's grace. And it is the greatest love story you could ever read of what he has done for us. And it also we see how glorious and amazing God is. He's the creator of the universe. He's done so many great things for us that we can't even imagine. And yet, we get to read this book. We get to read about how amazing he is. And the reason why I love the Psalms is because we get to see in so many of the Psalms just how great God is. And how worthy of his praise, of, of praise he is. And how, how much time, I, I know Don Lee, he said this a while ago when we had a men's breakfast. He said this as a devotion. How often do we adore God? How often do we adore God and his word and really take time to thank him and think about what he's done for us? Because we might spend a lot of time saying, God, I need money right now, please help. Or God, this or that. But how much time do we spend just praying and praising God for what he's done in our lives? Because none of us deserve it. We deserve nothing. We deserve absolutely nothing. Nada. Right? But God is so good and so filled with grace and so filled with love that he's done so much for us. And we can look at it just in the symbolism of what he did on the cross. The amazing, the amazing thing he did for us. And, and we can take our time and meditate on what God has done. I want to take some time and think about meditation. Meditation isn't sitting here and going, um, right? It's not that. Meditation is really pondering, thinking about God's Word, thinking about who God is, what He's done, and just learning and, and praising God, praying, praying God's Word into your heart and knowing it. So verse 2 says this, we are to meditate on God's Word day and night, right? Well, for me, 
my meditation for a long time is, and my experience for spending time with God intentionally would be at coffee shops. I don't know if you guys like coffee. I like coffee. I like to just spend time going to a coffee shop, getting my Bible out, getting a journal, and just reading it. And praying to God, praying God to make himself evident, to, to make his word evident in my life, to, to make it clear. Because trust me, this is a big book. There is a lot of challenging stuff in here, and there is a lot of convicting stuff in here. But if you ask God to open your heart, to open your mind, to open your eyes, I can't tell you how amazing a walk with the Lord is, being in relationship with Him, being in step with Him is. You want to know what the cure for anxiety is? You want to know what the cure for depression is? It's found in God's Word. It's found in trusting in God. And I'm not saying you guys can't take medication or I'm not saying any of that, but I'm saying there is a lot of hope and there is a lot of healing that takes place when you have an encounter with God and His Word. That's so important. So what would I do? I would go to the coffee shop, drink my coffee, read my Bible, and I would journal. Although sometimes while I was at that coffee shop, life was really hard. There are moments in, the, in that season, in different seasons where it's hard. You know, different moments where struggles with sin can be difficult. But God revealed himself so much to me through his word. And I felt closer to him. And oftentimes, reading God's word in the morning, reading it throughout the day, it would actually help me to not desire to want to walk away from God or to want to walk in darkness or to want to sin. It instead would help motivate me to to live for God. Paul also says, that having a mind focused on God compared to being focused on the world is a process and that it actually takes God's help and it takes time to learn how to follow after God and his desires. He says this in Romans 12, 2-3. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by, the test, by, by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So the more time we spend studying God's word, the greater we know God, and the sooner we will be able to see the greatness of God's heart and the greatness of God's love. To further illustrate what it means to be a real Christian that lives out their faith, there is a great example of a follower of God in the Old Testament named Joshua who followed after God even when life seemed challenging and impossible. Who was Joshua? Joshua uh, was Moses' intern, his personal assistant, uh, whatever you want to call him. He's the guy that grabbed his coffee for a while. (laughs) But he eventually transitioned from being an assistant to a role of leadership. Found, And he found it, uh, this role, at times, possibly challenging. He was told to take on a role in which he would lead Israel, God's people, into the promised land, that he would take over because Moses had, had passed away 
and Joshua is next in line to take over, and God ordained him over Israel. If we go to Joshua 1, verse 1, you'll see this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving you, giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of Hittites, to a great sea toward going down the sun, shall be your territory. If you don't know the Hittites, uh, not a great people. Uh, they were uh, very against God, very paganistic. Um, I'll continue. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be very strong and courageous. And here's the important part. This is why we're reading this. Being careful to do according to all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And then here we go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua loved God. Joshua loved the law, his, God's word. And he would meditate it on it, um, he would think about it, and then he would absorb it into his heart, his mind, and apply it to his life. Because if you don't know, Joshua did lead Israel into the promised land, and he did what God told him to do, mostly. There was a couple of things that Joshua did not do. Uh, Joshua did not, if you don't know, there was a, a group of people that were paganistic, God commanded him, hey, Joshua, you need to take out these people. Why? Because later on, those same people would lead Israel's heart astray. They would intermarry, and they would have them worship idols. So that's why God warned him in this moment to meditate on his law, to know it, so he can obey it, or else they would face the repercussions. So there was one, one instance where Joshua did not obey fully. But Joshua, I'm, I'm not saying this is bad. I, I love reading the verse of the day, but he wouldn't just read the verse of the day and mark that off his checklist and not talk to God the rest of the day. It's so important to prioritize God into every aspect of your life, not to just be like, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, I'm done for today. Right? 
That, that's not what God's calling us to do, to just read it real fast. And God wants our heart. He wants us to delight in his word. Why? So we can have that personal relationship with him. So we can know him. And to know him isn't just to know him like, yeah, I know of him, but it's gnosko. Gnosko in the Greek means to know a person intimately, to know them deeply, profoundly, greatly. That is gnosko in the Greek. G-I-N, gnosko, K-N-O-S-K-O. And if I'm wrong, we have Google. So. <laughs> that is gnosko. But um, it is very helpful to understand how great of a God we have and how greatly he wants to be known by us. This, of course, isn't easy. It's not an easy task. It takes the help of the Holy Spirit to guide us into what we call grace-filled discipline. I call it grace-filled discipline because it's, it's a, an act of grace. God has given us grace by making our hearts receptive and wanting to hear the gospel. But that's different than what I would call a staunch-based legalism out of habit, not of heart-based desire. There's a big difference between legalism and having a heart-based desire. One does it out of obligation. The other does it out of adoration. I'll say that again. One does it out of obligation. They feel obligated. They're legalist. And one does it out of adoration because they're in love with God. They care about Him. And they want to make Him not just their Savior. They don't just want to be saved by God and like, thank you God, got my get out of jail free card or get out of hell free card. But they want to make Him Lord as well. And so this is something that I say is a heart-based desire. And if we're not feeling that way, if we're not, maybe we can spend some time meditating and seeing, okay, how is our heart? How is our heart with the Lord? How is our walk with the Lord? Are we truly loving God as we ought to? And if not, ask God, help, please. Give me your Holy Spirit to help me to want to love you, to want to read your word. Because trust me, I did not like reading in high school. I was the spark notes guy, right? I, I did not like reading. I liked summaries because I was like, I'd rather watch a movie than read a book or play a video game. That was in high school. That was a while ago. I haven't played video games for a while. But in college, God gave me this great desire for reading. And, and I, I prayed. I asked God. I was like, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through these classes because I don't know if you know this, but at CBU, in uh, their theology department, there is no spark notes for some of their Old Testament books, for their church history books. They're very difficult to read, especially church history. I love church history, but so hard and so um, difficult just seeing the older English. But the Lord changed my heart, and he helped me to actually desire reading. And now, now it's actually something that I love to do. But before, man, I would look at the Bible, and it would be really difficult on certain passages. And there's still days where there's really difficult passages. But my heart has changed. God has changed my heart into the ways that I, I love him, I adore him. 
And it doesn't mean I, I 24-7 am perfect, but it does mean I have a relationship with God where I love Him and He has given me so much grace that I don't even deserve and none of us do. But just remember this, heart-based desire, not out of obligation. So my summary statement for that is, the blessed person in life is someone who doesn't follow after worldly wisdom, but instead follows after God and His Word. I'll say that again. The blessed person in life is someone who doesn't follow after worldly wisdom, but he instead follows after God and His Word. So how do we apply that to our lives? I said earlier we are called to be different than the world, than to let it influence us with evil schemes, and instead to learn from God's Word, to read it, to study it, and then most importantly, instead of head knowledge, apply it to our lives. Not head knowledge, so we're not some super brainiac, that's not the goal, but so we can honor God with our lives, so we can be more like Him, know our Creator, slay our sin by learning the greatest story of love, grace, and how we can be given a second chance to be different than the world and to follow a life of godliness that is faithful to God and His Word. Psalm 1-3 says this, He, the blessed person, the believer, the Christian, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither. In all that He does, He prospers. So point number two is this. Plant your roots deep in Christ, and you will produce great fruit. I will say that again. Plant your roots deep in Christ, and you will produce great fruit. So what happens to a tree when it doesn't have access to water? What happens? Yeah, it dies. But if the roots continue to not receive the constant supply of water by being connected to the water, the tree and all of its fruit that it produced, it's going to die. The fruit will die along with it. So I want you to think about it like this. The water in this passage is God. We are the tree that needs to constantly be connected and rooted in Christ. That means constantly be connected to God. If not, we will grow dry eventually, which is a progression again. We will stop producing fruit. We will wither up and die. This reminds me of what Jeremiah the prophet said in Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. He says this, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited, uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That is the picture of what a healthy believer looks like. It is continuously growing and bearing fruit. And what is the fruit? What, 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 what's an example of some fruit being bared by a Christian? Yes, amen. Amen. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those things bearing in our lives. And that is when we have those things and we do that because of the Holy Spirit's act in our hearts. That is when we are able to care for others, love on others, be a godly example to others, share the gospel with others. But it also reminds me of a parable that Jesus told me. Or, sorry, he didn't tell me necessarily. He told, <laughs> told the disciples. And he compared a wise man and a foolish man in the book of Matthew. In Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man built, who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So just think about that. Our is our foundation God's word? Is that the foundation of why we live, of our purpose? When, when hard times hit, is God our foundation? Or is something else our foundation? So I'm going to say a summary statement. The blessed person is rooted, strong in the Lord, and he bears great fruit. The blessed person is rooted, strong in the Lord, and he bears great fruit. So, here's an important application. If you aren't really following God when hard times hit, you will fall away. If you aren't truly following after God when hard times hit, you will fall away. This has happened to a lot of people that I've seen, and even at a church where I interviewed one of the pastors at. He had a great amount of people, huge over 8,000 people attending their church. But all of a sudden, as soon as life hit, and when life was not going as well as they had hoped, and they thought they should always be thriving 24-7, and life wasn't going their way, they left the church. This scripture about having our foundation as God's word is so important. Because it goes against the prosperity gospel theology. It shows, it, how it's, it shows us how it's wrong. That we are always blessed as a Christian, but not in the way that the world thinks of being blessed. I'm going to be honest with you guys. You will not always have health, wealth, and prosperity. Okay? Being a Christian means you are willing to suffer here on this earth. But that's not the end. God has a plan. And our goal isn't here on this earth. Our goal is in heaven with the Lord. And, and so I think a lot of times, more modern churches right now are starting to change and say like, you know, it's all about your health. It's all about your wealth. It's all about this and money and all that. That is not the goal. The goal of the Christian, the goal of the believer is to become more and more godly and to follow after God with whatever he's called us to. 
And trust me, there's been a lot of people who have, have suffered, lost their lives because they love God so much. But would those people say, oh yeah, it wasn't worth it? No, they are so grateful, so glad to have given their lives to the Lord. And so I just want to remind us that the goal in life isn't about making tons of money, become super wealthy, having great health all the time. It's The goal is following God, following Him. And that's not easy. I'll say the walk of a Christian is not defined by the numbers in your bank account, but instead by the evidence in the scars of suffering that you receive and are willing to receive in order to follow after Christ. I'll say that again. The walk of a Christian is not defined by the number in your bank account, but it's the evidence in the scars of suffering you receive and are willing to receive in order to follow after Christ. He suffered for us. How much more should we be willing to sacrifice, suffer, and live in an uncomfortable moment, in uncomfortable situations, in order to bring glory to God. Being willing to sacrifice our selfish desires in order to fall after God. So I'm going to finish these, these last few verses with this. Verse 4 through 6. The wicked are not so. So this is a contrast to the blessed person. This is not a believer. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the seat of the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Point three. This is my final point. The wicked will wither. The wicked will wither. To wither means to die or to perish. The wicked are not stable. They don't have hope and they don't have peace. As soon as hard times hit, they have no foundation to hold on to. One of the hardest things as a pastor, uh, I'll be honest with you, is doing funerals sometimes, but um, when you for sure know that the person was not a believer, that is so hard, right? That, that can be very challenging sometimes. And so that's one of the scariest things um, to do. It's sad because you're not really able to tell the family the person is in heaven with the Lord because you're not sure, because you don't know them personally, and, and it, it can be difficult. That's why this scripture is so important, and I'm telling you guys now about this scripture, because it is so important to recognize and understand. Psalm 76, uh, 7, but you, God, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when your anger is roused? And in Nahum 1.6, who can stand before his indignation or his judgment? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. And then Ecclesiastes 12.14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So verse 6, Basically, there's a reality for those who reject God. And I know you guys, some of us don't like to hear this. This is hard, but it's difficult. There is a real reality for those who reject God and even for those who pretend to be a Christian. We need to make sure that we're not against God and that we're not 
um, hating God and hating His Word because there will be consequences. And what are these consequences? God's unrelented fury of wrath, known as hell. There could never be a, a worse place than hell. We don't talk about it here at church very often, but I think we should, uh, definitely, because it's a real place. And a pl- it's a place where people go if they don't choose to make Jesus their Savior and Lord. And it's, it's a real place, as mentioned in Revelation 21.8, it says this, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be taken in the lake that burns with fire which is of sulfur, which is the second death. And Matthew 10.28 says this, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10 says this, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to those who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and of his glory and of his might. When he comes on the day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled among all who have believed because of our testimony to you was believed. So my summary statement is this. Those who are not blessed, they don't follow after God. And if they continue to not follow after God, they will perish and they won't see eternal life. And that's why it's so important that we share our faith, we share the gospel, that we, we know that the world is hopeless without Jesus. And God, he provides us with only two ways to live. If you've, you've read, if you've looked at this psalm this whole time, there's only two ways to live. God compares the righteous to the wicked. The righteous, being those who follow after God, doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means that we have a relationship with God and we accept Him as Lord and Savior. And then there's a, the wicked or those who reject God, who don't want to fall after God, who hate God. And so Jesus says this in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus offers us a great invitation He offered this invitation to a church in Revelation that was lukewarm in their faith, in their hearts, and in their lives. They weren't motivated for God. Their hearts were were stuck in worldliness. Much like I fear, too many Christians have become like today. Revelation 3.20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door of and knock. If anyone would hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and eat with him, and he with me. This is an example. Jesus is saying, behold, my invitation is here. I am inviting you to partake, to have fellowship with me, but only if you open the door and hear my voice. Well, I come in and spend time with you and fellowship with you. So just as Jesus invites us into a relationship with him, I want us, 
I want you guys to remember that God desires to have a real personal relationship with you. He knows how hopeless and meaningless life is without Him. And He desires us to come to faith in Him. He calls us, He calls all, all people, but many have rejected Him and continue to reject God. But once I placed my faith in God, God completely changed my life. He changed my heart, He changed my mind, He changed my goals, and He changed my complete purpose and mission in life. I no longer was as self-absorbed as I had used to be, and I no longer focused so much on things that really didn't matter, what we call temporal things, temporary things, things not, that don't matter in eternity. Instead, God changed my heart, and I actually cared about loving God, loving others, and doing things that make a difference in people's lives for eternity. So if you desire to know God, and you have never had a relationship with Him, I I challenge you, talk to me after service. Let me know. I want you to be able to experience the amazing love and grace that God offers, an amazing relationship He offers us. But if you're a believer, if you're a believer, the author of Psalms has made it clear. When you're rooted and connected to God, the giver of life-giving water, only then will you grow strong. Only then will your faith roots grow deeper. And when hard times hit, will you stand strong for the Lord. So don't give up. Don't let the struggles in life, moments of desperation, Keep you from falling after God with everything you have. When you are connected to God, you no longer need to focus on the circumstances in life. The only circumstance you should focus on is that you have been given grace by God to be connected to Him through Jesus. And through Him, you will become a stronger Christian. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for giving us your word. I pray we cherish it. I pray we see it as a blessing. I I pray we see it as an instruction manual for living a life dedicated to you. I pray we become like trees planted by streams of water that is living a life of faith in you whose faith is continuously flourishing and that we're daily spending time trying to know you better and become more and more like you on a daily basis. Lord, give us the strength, give us the grace to follow after you wholeheartedly, to rely on you for strength as fiery trials of life consume us or try to consume us, that we'll still stand strong in you as our firm foundation in your word, God. We give you praise and we give you thanks. It's in your name, Father God. Amen.